This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the December 2021 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly live interview show on WPKN, the second Monday of each month, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. First, I want to say how great it is to be back in the studio after almost two years of recording our show on Zoom and mailing it in. So with these uh, state-of-the-art studios in WPKN's new home and COVID protocols in place, it's thrilling to be back. In our last show in November, we were celebrating the Bridgeport Art Trail, the 13th and the biggest to date with more than 7,000 visitors streaming through the city over the weekend. But we weren't just celebrating the artists' studio tours, exhibitions, parties, music and poetry, but also the sense that, with several new cultural venues opening or moving into downtown, there was something of a renaissance happening to Bridgeport, Connecticut. This month, as we near the end of the year, always a good time for reflection, We want to dig a little deeper into this sense and ask whether, alongside Steel Point, the Cherry Street Lofts and many more recent construction and renovation projects, what the arts and culture are bringing to a Bridgeport renaissance. With us in the studio today to help us in this exploration are the head of a construction and development company, the president of a business service organization, and the general manager of a radio station. So let me introduce first builder and real estate manager and developer, Phil Kuchmer, president of the Kuchmer Corporation. Phil has been shaping downtown Bridgeport since 1972, with the arts very often at the forefront of his interests and concerns. And with several arts venues now clustering around Bijou Square, named after the historic theatre that Phil bought, thoroughly renovated and opened in 2009 on the centenary of its original opening in 1909. Welcome, Phil. Thank you, David. Steve DiCostanzo, as you all hopefully know, is general manager of this very radio station and has led WPKN since 2012. I should note that under Steve's tenure, PKN was voted not only Best Connecticut Radio Station for Music in 2017 by Connecticut Magazine, but also, now famously, (laughs) dubbed the world's best radio station by The New Yorker in in one of its summer editions this year. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, David. Good Good to be here and good to have you back. Yes, indeed. It's great. And welcome to Lauren Coakley-Vincent, who is just finishing, or just approaching, her fourth anniversary leading the Bridgeport Downtown Special Services District, during which time this downtown merchants group has been transformed by Lauren's driving a colourful Bridgeport campaign, animating and literally bringing colour to downtown Bridgeport, a slew of public art commissions as well as an inventory and guide to that art, and much more. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. It's great to be here at the WPKN station in downtown Bridgeport. That's terrific. 
So, Phil, Phil, first I want to start with you and ask, why Bridgeport? Why did you decide to start the Kuchma Corporation, what, 50 years ago now here in Bridgeport? Mm. And I guess uh, you must be coming up on some kind of celebration next year, right? <laughs> well, thank you, David. Yes, um, Bridgeport was an easy choice. I, you know, I had, I had been born in Bridgeport and spent most of my life here and having gotten to know a lot of the business people as well as people in the community. Uh, when I started my business, I needed, uh, very soon after I started the business, I needed a place to operate from and purchased a property on Housatonic Avenue where the business actually worked from for quite a while. And uh -huh. then uh, as we grew, we remained in Bridgeport for the entire time after that in various locations. As to the celebration, um, <laughs> there are some people that would celebrate when I when we do retire, but you know, <laughs> I, I used to uh, actually, um, for about the past 20 years, when people used to ask me about retirement because it seemed to them as though I worked quite a bit in things and did I ever think about that, I told them that my goal was 62. But they say to me now, but you're in your 70s. How could your goal be 62? And I explained to them that it was 2062. That was my goal. There we go. So that's actually the celebration like that. that I'm looking forward to. Okay. Well, that's that's great. So uh, do you remember what Bridgeport looked like in the 1970s? Absolutely. What were some of the challenges and opportunities that you Well, as as most of us would remember... The 70s were not a great time uh, nationwide when it came to the urban areas. Right, um, right. Anybody that remembers New York City, mm. by way of example, remembers a time when it was probably visually and economically at one of its lowest levels in the in the 20th century. Mm. But it it um, it was about the time for it to start coming back and. The reason that I thought Bridgeport was such an opportunity was uh, many people also remember that during the 1960s, there were federal programs that were re, um, right. that were trying to prepare urban renewal projects. And uh, New Haven is one of the cities in the state of Connecticut that had a tremendous amount of urban renewal projects. Bridgeport only had a couple. And... Um, one of the projects in, in Bridgeport was a downtown mall, which fortunately now has turned into Houstonic Community College. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And another was a, a courthouse project. But there wasn't much other urban renewal that happened here, which frankly, although a lot of people thinks, think that that means Bridgeport got bypassed, I thought that it was a real opportunity because we were left with a lot of smaller in many cases, uh, very historic and um, unusual, but unusual in a good way, types of buildings. And the opportunity for me as a younger person that didn't have a lot of money to invest was that there were properties available for lower amounts of money than I otherwise would have had to uh, be have available to me. But the more interesting part of it was the buildings themselves. I, I really, right. I really like the uniqueness of many of the buildings, and I had expected that that would turn into a big plus for the city as the years came uh, following that. Right, and today, right now, we're reaping the benefit of those as there are so much rich um, and textured buildings Absolutely. being renovated. 
Um, so what were some of your early opportunities, some of the successes that you were most proud of over the years? I mean, over the 50 years as, uh, as everything changed? Well, the opportunities um, began with uh, buildings that I, I thought um, I, I usually had some partners that were that were allowing me to build uh, some equity in the buildings through sweat equity. Uh-huh. And uh, so I had some good coaching and some mentors that I really appreciated along the way that thought that uh, there was also opportunity here. And frankly, the... Um, the the successes um, are are really very important because those are the things that keep us pushing forward. Not every project is as successful as we'd like it to be in life, but the uh, some of the things that we've done here, including um, winning two different national appreciation awards for projects that we did. One was the renovation of a former bank building to become the Polka Dot Playhouse, which is now the Comedy Club. Uh-huh. And the right. other being our more recent project where we combined a historic restoration of the Bijou Theater building with a brand new building in the one on the corner that's 84 apartments and uh, seven retail spaces. And the... Um, one of the important things to us at that time was that that building, uh, that 125,000 square foot building that we that we completed in 2010, was the first brand new construction downtown in a little over 20 years. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that really sim- was kind of symbolic to me of how long it took from the 70s and the you know the times of such urban flight, you know, and uh, and the changes that cities had to um, had to make to their to their visual appear to their visual appearance, but also to their psychological appearance to people that to attract them back. Right. And it's really been uh, it's really been very rewarding to see now that the especially with the creative economy type businesses that we have here and some of the you know I, I have to say that um, and this is not because we're sitting in this studio but one of the crowning achievements of the attraction here was to actually have WPKN decide that downtown was the place they wanted to be. They had um, they they told me that they had looked at over twenty seven different properties. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. We did our due diligence, that's <laughs> right. for sure. And then when they finally decided to come here, it was actually a unanimous vote of their board. So that was that was a really, I think, a really significant sign to other mm-hmm. people that you know, if, if it's good enough for WPKN, it must be good enough for us. So um, I, I'd love to, you to tell us a little bit more about the Bijou, how that happened, and that two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, and that seems to be have been the like the landmark or the or yeah. the the really t- the turning point. Well, can you tell us absolutely. how you came to yeah. it? Oh, absolutely. the The family that owned that the building that the theater was in, um, it was a very interesting story. And I don't, I know we don't want to take a whole lot of time with history, but the family that had owned it had owned it since the nineteen twenties. And their two daughters, who were at the time we purchased the building in their seventies, were the were the operators and owners when we bought the building. And I 
I think that um, had that building not been owned for such a long period of time by one owner, right. it probably would have mm. become a retail space <laughs> or a drugstore with some spaces above it. But fortunately, it didn't. You know, they, they had some wonderful years there for decades, and they suffered through a little bit of, of less fortunate years in between. And they had been talking with me for quite a while about, you know, what could we do to the building or how could we change it? And they um, finally, they decided that they just had to sell it. And an offer came along to them actually from a church that wanted to buy the building and turn the building into a church. And fortunately, <laughs> the uh, zoning department didn't allow them to. And I'm not saying that because I don't like churches. We had, you know, <laughs> downtown, yes. frankly, has a history, many a long history of many churches being downtown, and, and there are still a few places of worship here now. But um, that made up my mind that I had to act, and, and I made a proposal to them to purchase the building because we couldn't let a building that is actually documented as being the oldest building in the United States that was built as a vaudeville house and movie house that has never been anything but a movie house and live entertainment space. We couldn't let that that designation um, just go. Right. Plus, it has a beautiful streetscape. I mean, the brickwork is Absolutely. Yeah, astonishing. Is. So we didn't want to lose that. Fortunately, yeah. fortunately, we were able to restore that as well as some things like the proscenium that surrounds the present screen and small stage that's there. And um, we had to make it economically feasible and attractive um, from from a perspective of being able to work. So we had to reduce the amount of seating from 550 seats to just a little over 200. But but all of those improvements to the interior part of it um, didn't have to cause us to change anything on the outside. As a matter of fact, when we bought the building, it was painted white over most of the oh decorative gosh. brick that you oh see there. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And no, a lot of people didn't even know what was there. <laughs> uh -huh. But you did. <laughs> um, so just following up on that, um, just, uh, again, uh, reviewing your experience in the, in the city, do you have any comments on how um, arts and culture has shown itself over the years? How has it changed? Um, it's yep. difficult to go all the way back, I know, but any notable shifts uh, in, in how arts and culture has shown up in Bridgeport? Sure. I, I think that the, um, the, the one thing that many people don't have any knowledge of is the fact that when, when corporations are interested in a community for location... One of the things that's always near the very top of their list is what kind of culture and art exist in those in those cities or in those neighborhoods. Yeah, that's a good point. And mm -hmm. that you know, a lot of people wouldn't think that that's as important to them, but it really is. It, it truly is. And Bridgeport had a long history of of being able to. Um, bring people here for that entertainment, even when the city, you know, the city of Bridgeport's not as old a city as most of the cities in the state. It was actually mm -hmm. incorporated a couple hundred years later than many people think that it actually was, but but it was a hub of activity because of its location. Right. And it was it was very important that there was that there was entertainment here and culture. And I think that part of the creativeness 
that is still existing in the city is from there being generations of people here that were that were creative people, whether it was with industrial products, whether it was with music and art. And there's there's a wealth of that that's just part of the being of some... The creativity absolutely. behind both the, um, the businesses and um, what we think of as arts and culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what that's led to is combining the few things that we've already talked about, which is the types of buildings and the uniqueness that we have, mm-hmm. the great location that we have, and the, and the talent that already exists here. This, it has made the city attractive now, not just to the people that were here, but more people are coming because it's got great space to offer and it's very affordable. And that's what so many of the of the artists and the people that are in those industries really look for. But they've it's been proven in other areas that sometimes they also get pushed out. So the most important thing that we need to do now is to is to continue to be able to sustain that that good that great portion of the economy here, which includes all of those creatives, so that we don't, in fact, um, make it a temporary home for them. Right. This needs to be permanent. And this actually is one of my own personal campaigns is to, you are, I mean, you are one of the few developers who I think truly understand the role that artists play, that artists should, in fact, be agents in the development of an area rather than temporary people who move in and um, upgrade the place and then have uh, are forced out, but should be long-term uh, partners or agents in a development strategy for an area. That's absolutely true, David. And, you know, we, we've been fortunate over the years that through different ways, we, we help to support the the people that we're trying to uh, in fact, uh, keep here. And we do that by offering uh, rents many times that we're, that we are lower than we would otherwise be able to achieve from other types of tenants. We try to support the artists by having their murals and their work um, around us and in our buildings and and to work with the organizations such as the Cultural Alliance to uh, be able to, Find ways to be um, to be any type of an asset to those to that art and cultural community. That's great, and we're certainly blessed to have you in our in our midst. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, and our December 2021 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject is the arts, culture, and the future of Bridgeport. Our guests are Phil Kuchma, president of the Kuchma Corporation, Steve DiCostanzo, general manager of WPKN, and Lauren Coakley-Vincent, president and CEO of Bridgeport's downtown special services district. So let me bring in Steve here. Steve, you're also coming up on an anniversary. Amazing. Ten years of being yes. at the helm of WPKN. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me to come on the show today, David. It's uh, it's uh, wonderful. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure, you, you, your show started uh, how many years ago now is this? Um, a number. Because, I, I well, we're, yeah, we're very, take. very happy to have, <laughs> have you as one of our community 
uh, program. So yeah, I guess uh, it's almost uh, almost ten years, and it's uh, it's been quite. Uh, Quite a quite an experience, quite a ride for sure. And I know it is hard to look back uh, where you've been at a place continuously for quite a while. Can you cast your mind back to what PKN was like when you came aboard? 10 yeah, years ago? you know it was interesting because uh, I mean there there were some some interesting years when I first got involved. Um, I had moved up from from New York, and I was a listener, and and so uh-huh. I I was basically introduced to the station by uh, a couple of shows that really surprised me. I, I was concerned by moving out of New York if I was uh-huh. you know, going to be, uh, you know, in, you know, wanting for some, some cultural uh, types of events and, and, uh, and assets. And all of a sudden I heard WPKN and I just was intrigued. <laughs> I, some of these shows that were, they were playing, you know, music from Northern Africa and there were, you know, there's some blue shows that made it seem like you were actually, you know, sitting in a club in St. Louis, listening to some St. Louis blues. And, uh, but, uh, so I, I came in, um, you know, as, as a listener, as a volunteer, and there was an immediate need for some help, on the board, they were looking for someone to do uh, marketing, and so I, uh, I jumped in right away. And I can remember some of the early staff meetings; very colorful, uh, very interesting. <laughs> uh, you, you know, the 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 staff of WPKN all volunteer, 130 volunteers, and and it's uh, it's it's a dynamic. Uh, just just the whole diversity of the staff is one of the dynamics that attracted me, because it's it's unlike any place I've, you know, obviously ever worked before or even experienced. Uh, but when I, when I got in here, um, you know, my, my goal was again, not having radio experience per se, but marketing and, and publishing. I just realized that, that the one thing I wanted to try to do was to make WPKN more visible and more relevant Mm-hmm. Uh, those were the those are the things that I and I still repeat re, you know think mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. often. How do we make it more visible, more relevant? And one of the things that I tried to do was immediately pivot and do more in the way of community engagement uh, with uh, different community events like the Music Mash Record Fair uh, that we put on in Bridgeport, and we also did one in New Haven. Uh, we also wanted, uh, you know, starting the um, music on film series at the Bijou was right. another right. element of of better engagement and more visibility. Uh, we've created environmental film series as well, and also wh- one of the things that we tried to do, you know, which, uh, you know, when I think back ten years ago, we we were not necessarily that tight or engaged with a lot of the cultural organizations. In terms of doing like media partnerships, right? You you were more of an independent. Um, yeah, we um, kind of you know we, we had our own kind of uh, thing going <laughs> musically, but we really I think strategically we wanted to reach out and 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 either have media partnerships or and or uh, underwriting relationships with some organizations like the Ridgefield Playhouse or the Quick Center for the Arts, College Street Music Hall, FTC, Side Door Jazz, so large and small cultural organizations. And, um, so that's, uh, I mean, that's changed, you know, I think fundamentally that's for us, that's something that I've tried to, to consciously do more of, uh, other things that have changed over 10 years 
and this is with the help of some of our program directors, is we've really done our best to strive for uh, more diversity. Uh-huh. Diversity yeah. of programmers, yeah. diversity of volunteers, and especially bring in more female voices, uh, more uh, younger voices, and more voices of color. So that's, and it's, it's, it's been working. I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of the makeup of our organization. And this really, I was going to ask you what you thought your, the DNA of PKN was, and it sounds as if it is that, that rich diversity that you are, um, determined to, it not just, it's not just a playlist, it's, it's reaching out and having as a broader range yeah, no, as I would, possible. I would, I would agree with that. And, and uh, the, the word authenticity comes to mind as well. The, the mm-hmm. authenticity of, of, you know, when you think about the DNA of WPKN, uh, there, there's really nothing that is uh, cookie cutter about this place. It's, <laughs> right. uh, it's, it's really, it's something that even the kind of the next generation of listeners they have grabbed onto with this idea that uh, this is, you know, not your, you know, kind of typical radio station uh, as we, you know, continue to try to pivot a little bit into an arts organization. So, of course, hmm. we're a radio station, but yeah. we also, uh, I think a lot of the, um, uh, the programmers, the DJs, uh, they, they come at this with, um, again, they're all non-paid. That's something that a lot of listeners don't always know. Or if they're, or maybe the listeners know, but some uh-huh. some of the new listeners don't know is that uh-huh. all the DJs and programmers are unpaid, so they come at this really with just pure passion yeah. because there's yeah. there's there's no paycheck and uh, and that 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 covers not only music programming but then spoken word shows as well. So there's there's definitely uh, there's a sense of pride. I think all the programmers uh, they they do a lot of a lot of work. It's 24 hours a day. Uh, every minute of the day, it's been it's been tricky, obviously during COVID, to stay open twenty four hours a day. But we've right. had uh, we've had a lot of help uh, from Rod Richardson, kind of preparing some of the the shows that are being done remotely and getting them on air. Uh, that special call out to Rod, he's been tremendously yeah, helpful to me and us. As yeah, well, it's been so. it's been it's been quite a quite a ride to try to you know get. Um, get this project built during COVID. Uh, but coming back to some of the DNA, also it's worth noting that uh, when, you know, we're part of Pacifica Radio Network. So we're, we're oh. a public radio uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, per se. I remember when I got here, I wasn't even, I would always call it public radio, but people said, well, we're, we're technically a community radio station. And I've really grown to embrace that concept. Mm-hmm. It's a subtle difference, but you know we're not part of NPR. We're part of uh, this Berkeley, uh, California-based group called Pacifica Network that right. counts uh, WBAI as one of their you know major right. flagship yes. operations. But WPKN, you know, regionally is I think pretty important uh, in in that uh, that whole makeup of uh, of Pacifica. But that's kind of the. I suppose the, the the DNA and uh, you you mentioned that uh, David Owen's article, The New Yorker, that was um, quite a game changer for us. <laughs> and we're going to add been that. using it well. We're going to yes, we have. We've been putting down pretty much every piece of swag that we have, from coffee mugs to t-shirts. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, maybe a little hyperbole. He actually said 
and the the way it runs uh, digitally on on the uh, the site uh, of the New Yorker, it says um, he says WPKN to be honest is the greatest radio station in the world, and that was the headline. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, we'll take it and run with it as, as much as we can. And basically the core of, of his article was exactly describing the, those DNA features that you mentioned, the yeah. uniqueness. Yes. If you didn't like the music you were hearing right now, well, just wait a minute because you'd be hearing something completely different. Yes, there's that uh, favorite uh, and famous uh, that Twain runs. Con- well, yes. that, uh, that, well, here it's um, basically some songs you'll like and some songs you won't like. Right. <laughs> so right. that's that's certainly part of our DNA. Right. Well, and uh, we can learn a lot from that. I mean, I think in our in our current political situation, mm. I mean, it teaches you to listen. Yeah. And listen differently. Listen to um, be prepared for um, other takes. Mm. Right. Correct. So yeah. PKN is really presenting that. I mean, I was. Also going to ask you, I mean, you don't really think of radio as place-based necessarily. Um, I mean, it's out there, you create a community in the sky, and now especially with the internet, Mm -hmm. where you can have listeners join your community from around the world. Right. But um, just going back to what you were saying, you have really put your roots down and connected to especially cultural, local cultural yeah. organizations. Well, so as a community radio station, we would have that mandate, right, to cover the community. In our case, what's uh, interesting and challenging is that we have many communities that we serve because mm-hmm. uh, going back to 1963, we happen to have an, a really remarkable uh, transmitter site. And, of course, then with streaming, you can go everywhere. But with the transmitter site, you know, uh, we cover almost all of Fairfield County, all of New Haven County, Litchfield County, into Suffolk County. Lots of lots of uh, of geography that we you know have to be responsible for. Uh-huh. But but we are based in Bridgeport, and and I think that uh, you know we feel like we're a part of Bridgeport. The this idea that well, you know, Phil was talking about kind of the. The development of of Bridgeport 60s, 70s, it's always been of late a little bit of an uh, kind of a classic underdog story. And WP Can has been that way as well. Really? Uh, this this uh, this sense of uh, uh, of, you know, the challenge of being a free form community radio station. It's it's uh you know, it's not just one genre that uh, might be easier if we were just one genre, but it is right. that idea that we have a very expansive palette of, of music and and programming. But in terms of being in Bridgeport, uh, I think the place is important because there's, I mean, we're, we all know around this table that there is just a, a, a palpable sense of, of this like swelling of artistic energy in, in Bridgeport. Uh, I was looking at all the from the Bridgeport Art Trail the, the dedicated large spaces that are given over to creatives. Yeah, you know, in in this city, and it's just amazing. From Metro Studios, brand new American Fabrics, you know, Knowlton, Reed's Art Space, the Arcade, the Nest. I think it's unique. It's, unique it's in the amazing. state. Yeah, to have you know as many spaces like that. Yeah, so I mean that I think definitely informs us as well, and and. 
you know, I think I think we, if we were located somewhere else, we we would we would maybe sound a little different, you know. <laughs> right. And and just to to finish up, the um, it seems that the um, culmination or the the reach of your DNA is this move into into the Bijou building. Um, tell us a little bit about how that move feels to you and what the promise yeah. for the future wow. is. It was, uh, what, what, a, what an amazing process. It's been a total game changer uh-huh. to be here, mm. uh, in, in Bijou square, downtown Bridgeport. It's, uh, you know, being at UB, it was a great run. We were there since the early sixties, uh, but and then through a lot of different administration changes and changes uh, in ownership. And uh, and essentially, there was always a little bit of confusion, a little bit of misbranding <laughs> right. as to like, you know, yeah. where are we? Where's Where are the studios? Uh, you know, behind the university walls. Sometimes it didn't feel like we could really get outside of those walls and engage, uh, you know, the community. That's that visibility issue. Yeah, the visibility, and mm-hmm. and we and, and you know, was it student run? Were we funded by the university? Just a lot of uh, misperceptions, and so coming downtown uh, has been just remarkable. And uh, I, I mean, I, I there's a, a gentleman sitting just five feet from me who uh, played such an important role, that's Phil Kuchma. Uh, we could not have done it without Phil mm-hmm. and, and his uh, in- incredible knowledge base of uh, so many things besides construction, but construction was pretty damn important because <laughs> as far right. as skill sets are concerned, 130 yeah. you know, radio uh, type of people are not necessarily going to be uh, able to negotiate a lot of, you know, heavy duty contracts and, and, uh, it's been, it's been wonderful to, to be here and the promise of, of kind of working, uh, collaboratively with uh, all the creatives in Bridgeport and some of the nonprofits that are right here is just presenting just a a, a wonderful, uh, future, I think for us. Right. It's great to sense that new era beginning for, for this wonderful radio station. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our December 2021 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our subject is the arts, culture and the future of Bridgeport. Our guests are Phil Kuchmer, president of the Kuchmer Corporation, Steve DiCostanzo, General Manager of WPKN, and Lauren Coakley-Vincent, President and CEO of Bridgeport's Downtown Special Services District. So, Lauren, uh, you too will be having an anniversary (laughs) this next year. Um, Your fourth year running the Bridgeport DSSD. Uh, Tell us a little about uh, what the DSSD is and what it does. Thanks. Uh, the, the downtown special services district um, it really focuses on businesses, the commercial corridor and creating a um, vibrant in- environment for businesses to thrive. Um, so sometimes when people hear downtown special services district, they think anything but businesses. But that's right. what we're about. So uh-huh. surprise. <laughs> um, so we really focus on um, it, making the investments and supporting the programming that makes downtown Bridgeport a vibrant and exciting destination. 
Um, we have a couple of ways that we do that. We have a wonderful team of downtown ambassadors who keep the streets clean and add to the public safety presence in the area, you know, uh, beautify downtown spaces with plantings, um, generally ambassadors for the space. Right. I've seen them going around in, uh, in, the, in the trucks. Yes. Uh, it, our, our truck is very colorful. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come to that in yeah, a minute. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and we also host a number and, and partner on a, a much larger number of events that um, a draw, draw in residents, visitors, um, people who don't know the neighborhood in any kind of way. Uh, one event that we host is the Downtown Farmer's Market that is a, a wonderful mix of live music, uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, locally made crafts and products, and then a number of other food vendors um, that really showcase the diversity and the range of talent that you have in one small sort of atmosphere. That's great. And where does that take place? That We, we hold that uh, from July to October in McLeavy Green, right in the center of the of the right. downtown. Yeah, mm-hmm. and actually a couple of times WPKN came out and set up the tent and, you know, played uh-huh. uh, music from from the, I'd call it the McLeavy, McLeavy stage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was great. And a couple it's, of the DJs. What's that? Great events. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And a couple of the DJs have come separately um, to be a part of our live music programming, and it's always a big hit, so it's right. a great collaboration. Yeah. So um, in many ways, you're... Just like Phil, you're about buildings, tenants, yeah. and building a sense of place. Right. But uh, perhaps more on the daily uh, maintenance of uh, keeping the spirit alive and bringing people, bringing more people in. Absolutely. So, mm. and, you know, tying all those things together, places, clean streets, um, you know, dynamic public spaces and really exciting businesses, um, we were excited to come up with something that ties that all together in a, in a um, positive and engaging package. And so uh, we worked with um, the three people around this table, <laughs> plus <laughs> many others um, through one of our, our committees to create Colorful Bridgeport, which is that platform that now is the space to promote not only downtown businesses, but cultural institutions, events and activities, um, and unique offerings that um, you can only find in downtown Bridgeport. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we really, uh, we had touched on earlier in this conversation, we really felt deeply rooted in was the need to um, give space for local artists to create that vision, create that messaging. So everything that you see on Colorful Bridgeport down to like who printed the walking guides that we hand out for various events were all made locally. All the photographers, videographers, the folks who came up with the ideas, you know, everything soup to nuts is all locally done. This is what downtown Bridgeport has to offer. That's great. Have you noticed much of a change in, in the four years you've been here? Did you know Bridgeport uh, before yeah. uh, coming here? Yep. Yeah. I, I grew up in the area and, you know, not far away um, uh-huh. from Bridgeport and was familiar with it. And it's many phases of uh, industry and um, highs and lows. And I think what, um, having lived in New York City for a little over a decade, um, I always kept my eye on Bridgeport because what I saw as so Mm. nice about it is it's everything that you want in an urban environment. There's water, there are beautiful parks, there's a a unique historic downtown, um, there's all sorts of transportation. um, And Minus the 8 million people breathing in your face in Manhattan every day. So, you know, it has all the assets of a great city and dynamic. Um, 
that that you would want at a human scale. Um, so keeping my eye on the place over the years, I when I remember when the Reed's Art Space building um, opened up to the public uh, art space. I was very familiar from my time living in East Harlem. They had done a renovation in a similar right. type of building uh-huh. there um, and saw the power and the impact of that dedicated affordable housing for artists and the change that it can create in a community. Um, so I kept, you know, always kept my eye on Bridgeport and, and then... Um, a couple of years ago, about four, <laughs> um, <laughs> felt like it was time to, to come back home and, um, you know, be part of the effort and the conversation around how to economically develop a neighborhood and a place and a city in a way that's more equitable than we've seen. And I mean, New York is a wonderful and terrible example of development in, in many mm-hmm. different ways um, and, and not always benefiting the people who have invested in the community long term and have really been there through all of the eras. Um, so I think it was really important and I feel very privileged to have a very supportive board of commissioners who believe in that vision too. They believe in, you know, investing locally and, and growing together. And I mean, Phil is definitely top of that list, but, um, there are others, I would say it's a very supportive environment. And then, you know, David is on the special events and marketing committee. We have great partnerships. I'm sure we'll talk more about partnerships in a minute, but mm. great partnerships in place to make this work possible and have sort of a farther reaching, longer lasting impact. Um, well, just one observation uh, now, both Steve and and you, Lauren, have talked about being in New York mm-hmm. and then sort of seeing Bridgeport, being aware of Bridgeport on, mm-hmm. the, on the horizon and then uh, making the move. And that's a story I've, I hear a lot mm-hmm. from people who uh, decide to give it a try and just find it a more, quote unquote, human, uh, the quality of life mm-hmm. uh, overall seems very, very much higher. And uh, now, of course, with the COVID exodus from, from New York, we're seeing, we're seeing even, even more. I also wanted George, to ask you, um, in any of your previous positions, whether the arts were uh, one of the tools in your toolkit, mm-hmm. Uh, were you just aware of how the arts can can be used to uh, stir things up, bring people together, create more of a sense of energy in the streets? Yes, definitely. Uh, previous, so immediately previous to coming back home to Connecticut, uh-huh. um, I worked for the Department of Small Business Services in New York City, and you know had exposure to many different types of entrepreneurs in that space, and seeing the intersection of you know tech and craft and micro manufacturing was really inspirational to see the ways, the many manifestations of creativity. Um, But so in that environment, it was, you know, much more entrepreneurial focused. But right before I joined small business services, I worked in a um, arts based for profit business um, run by Harry Belafonte, who's a a, 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 a musician, (laughs) Um, who is one of the best human beings ever. Um, He's just as amazing as you think he is. Hmm. Um, And his focus was very much arts as activism, um, social justice, and the intersection of that with supporting the livelihood of creatives. Um, So I was immersed in that space and seeing the many ways in which artists Hmm. can be active, um, very much in civic uh, concerns, um, but also making change at a much higher level, like a you know more right. meta level. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was an incredible experience, and to see that as a functioning, profitable venture, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, not every uh, arts initiative needs to be 
nonprofit. You know, they can, it can be any any number of different things right. that open my eyes. Um, so I seeing all of those aspects and um, during my time with Belafonte Enterprises, we were working very closely with a union in New York, um, SEIU, um, hospital and healthcare workers. And so seeing the mobilization of arts um, around social justice and community causes um, impact the directly impact the livelihoods of millions of people was very impactful. Mm. So I don't I don't pretend that we are at that level with Colorful Bridgeport at all. But taking the principles right. of the what I learned in those environments between um, my time with Belafonte Enterprises and then small business services, the ways that, you know, providing helpful technical assistance to small businesses, uh, having the right spaces available, attracting customers to those spaces, putting all of those pieces together. Um, I try to infuse Colorful Bridgeport, the DSSD, all of our work with those uh, strategies. Right. And that sounds like a convincing articulation of your DNA, I mean, of the of how the uh, DSSD is, is moving forward. Um, Absolutely. So. And I, I would say, you know, one of the things I interacted with very early on in my time with the DSSD um, and didn't appreciate it till now or much later is just the many different partnerships that are possible and are in place. One group I participated early on was uh, Bridgeport Innovation Places, which right. is in a different stage of, of activity at this point. But um, the many different stakeholders in that group, in that collective, were so important and really made an impact in terms of how I thought we could work. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we've continued to work in, in trying uh, trying to involve as many different um, types of voices and types of stakeholders in, in the in the efforts and initiatives of. So really that rich diversity of mm-hmm. partnerships yeah. uh, mirrors exactly what uh, Steve was talking about yeah, with absolutely. WPKN, which makes this uh, a very rich um, uh, material for <laughs> uh, future growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems Definitely. very promising. Yeah. Um, If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and our December 2021 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today our subject is the arts, culture and the future of Bridgeport. Our guests are Phil Kuchma, president of the Kuchma Corporation, Steve DiCostanzo, General Manager of WPKN, and Lauren Coakley-Vincent, President and CEO of Bridgeport's Downtown Special Services District. So um, we've just got uh, about 10 minutes left. Um, I'd be interested in just asking you all together what you see is so, what you see happening in Bridgeport in the last few years in terms of new energies and determination. Um, In my short experience here too, it seems there's always this dance between on one side a certain negativity, the naysayers, those who've seen it all before, the scourge of corruption, self-serving, and then on the other side, those who are working collaboratively uh, with a vision of uh, what's there to build a thriving community. Steve, you've already mentioned some of these uh, bright spots, these amazing five art spaces, including the newest one, Metro Art Space in the South End with 38 artist studios in this beautiful renovated um, 
19th century corset factory. Um, of course, there are this, this clustering of new um, and newly invigorated spaces right here around Bijou Square. Um, what's your sense of what's where we are right now? What's this um, moment that we seem to be in, Phil? David, with all these past 40 or 50 years that so many things have been going on, on a one-person or five-person or 12-person um, attempt at a time, have all been building the core for what's happening now. Hmm. And, you know, as is with many things in life, some things don't become as apparent to other people or as believable to other people as something more, in their minds, more significant, or more specific uh-huh. happening. And what you see in Bridgeport today that's different than it was 20 or 30 years ago is, you know, it started with the ballpark and then the arena, but now with the amphitheater, mm. you know, we, we talk about the ones and twos of us that put things together to try to make this an attractive place. But when the largest organization... I think in the world, Steve, uh, which is Live Nation, Nation decides yeah. that this is the place that they want to put on mm. 80 mm. events a year in our city and in our environment. That's that, a show of confidence. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, that confidence is not just confidence to the to the people that become their guests at those at those entertainment venues. That's the confidence and the and frankly the validation for all the artists and creatives that have that have known this for a while <laughs> and are saying, you know, we're willing to be here and we're willing to invest here. And we want we want this to be our community. And that those kind of things, and that's why I mentioned earlier that WPKN was so significant in its decision to be here. Those things can't be replaced with just dollars on advertising and and changing people's minds the those naysayers that we talk about mm. things they exist there's no question about it uh, cities many cities like bridgeport um and larger cities as well have a sense of the, the people in the city many times have a sense of low self-esteem because they hear so many bad things or there are so many things that people say true or not true about their city. So when when the good things happen and people can hold their head a little higher and actually show that pride, it's really it's really the, a key to that sus- sustaining mm-hmm. of that effort and of bringing more people here, not to replace the ones that are here, not to push them out, but to join them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no doubt there are a lot of gems, uh, undiscovered gems uh, huh. in Bridgeport or underdiscovered gems in Bridgeport. And uh, it's really interesting when you start looking at at all of the different elements that are kind of being triangulated in Bridgeport, an amphitheater here from Live Nation, a brew pub uh, a few blocks away from Bijou Square. Suddenly, WPCAN moves into this building and there are uh, two gallery spaces that are now filled, mm-hmm. uh, new restaurants that are coming in. Uh, the arcade. The, the arcade yeah. activated, you know, yeah. the Bridgeport Art Trail, you know, breaking all kinds of records this year, I think, right? Yeah. With attendance and yeah. uh, there definitely is uh, good momentum uh, and 
Uh, it's exciting. I'm glad. I'm glad. I also live in Bridgeport. I live in Black That's Rock, great. and yeah. I, I love the community, <laughs> and I, I I love to be able to explore uh, lots of different neighborhoods in Bridgeport. Uh, I, I love like the fact that color blends is is here. You know, who would think that there's a a Dutch bulb company that has a huge warehouse here and that happens to have a tulip museum in Amsterdam, and and they're a wonderful asset to the community. So many interesting right. uh, places and people. Yeah, I would just add more to that to say you know what's exciting to me about um, downtown Bridgeport in particular is the the types of businesses, the types of environments that those those places create that, um, you know, WPKN being in this building has add, added such vibrancy to the street already. And then you have these really interesting small businesses coming up like Berlinetta Brewing, which I think you were just referring yeah. to what that is craft brewing, um, two brothers from Bridgeport, you know, craft right. brewing. <laughs> um, and, and so neatly intertwined with high quality music uh, a music experience in that mm-hmm. space, and the space itself is this historic rehab of a of a building that was frankly blighted for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was not terribly attractive, and now it's an incredibly beautiful space, yeah. uh, residential mixed use building um, with this dynamic uh, business downstairs, and you have that you know deeply rooted Bridgeport type business. Uh, paralleled or, you know, in the same space as a grill too, which is a, you know, seasoned operator from New York who came in and, and just transformed the corner. I mean, Mm -hmm. that was such a dead zone right right there at the corner of John street and broad street for my entire time with the organization. Um, And then Paul Brown comes in and brings his magic um, and, and creates a space that has created so many jobs for Bridgeport locals and a space, a gathering space that people love and cherish. And then you see other businesses along the block from Brick and Barrel to Rum and Tequila Fusion. Mm-hmm. And you see this this uh, growing um, concentration of vibrancy into the evening. And it's it's really, it's these uh, unique, you're not going to find a Grill 2 or a Berlinetta Brewing <laughs> anywhere else, right. um, spaces that really draw people in. And it's wonderful. So it's all coming together. And I know um, we're out of time, but... Um, Phil has often talked about density and the importance of density. And it seems now that um, those gems are being connected and we're reaching um, that point of density that really um, makes a place leap to the next to the next level. So thank you all for your thoughts and for your continued activity in building Bridgeport up, making it the thriving city we know it to be. This month, our subject was the arts, culture, and the future of Bridgeport. Our guests today were Phil Kuchma, president of the Kuchma Corporation, Steve DiCostanzo, general manager of WPKN, and Lauren Coakley-Vincent, president and CEO of Bridgeport's Downtown Special Services District.